Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Lay the Points podcast. I am your host, Kendall Caps, and man, have we been on a heater. I hope you all have been riding with us. It has been incredible the last few weeks, coming off another monstrous week last week. We went three and two against a spread in the NFL, hit our four-team parlay, four-team teaser, hit the World Cup bet. We have a hedge going into the France game this morning uh, to make sure that we either make even money or double our money uh, because of the the plays that we made last week. Uh, And that's kind of where I want to start the show this week is with the World Cup. It is the tournament that has the whole world captivated. Messi and Argentina have fought their way all the way to the final, and they're going to await the winner of France and Morocco. We talked about France in last week's show, and they were such a great bet at plus 450 to win the whole tournament, primarily because of the side of the bracket that they were on. Um, and they, I think Morocco, in some ways, in some eyes, did them a favor and took out Portugal for them. Really, I think Morocco might be a stiffer test because of the way that they play defense. Nevertheless, France is certainly the favorite. If you laid that plus 450 on France, or like me, also bet the plus 430 that they finish runner-up, you're in a great spot coming into this morning because you can bet a quarter of that on Morocco to just win this game and you're guaranteed to make money whatever happens in the France-Morocco game. Um, so that's a great spot to be in, but I do think that going into this game, there's a little bit of value in Morocco finishing runner up. They're listed at plus four thirty as we head into this game. And, you know, un- there, there's no reason to think that France shouldn't win, but there's a couple of things that really stood out to me when I was looking at this, Morocco is yet to concede a goal scored by its opponent in this entire tournament. Let me say that again. They haven't given up a goal. The only goal allowed was an own goal in this tournament. Outside of that, they have a complete clean score sheet. Their keeper is likely to to win the the best goalie of the tournament. Um, And on top of that, France this morning had to rule out a couple starters. There's a flu that's going around the team. And you have to think that that has at least some implication that two of their normal regulars are not going to be playing in the starting 11. And with how well Morocco is playing defense, they're essentially playing a home game every day. They are the Cinderella story. They obviously are deservedly the underdog in this game, but at plus 430 for them to finish runner up, That's basically saying they need to just win this game, which I do think that they're a live dog. I could see this game being nil-nil or 1-1 going into extra time and possibly penalties, and anything could happen from there. And knowing they're a live dog, uh, at plus 430 for them to finish runner-up, I find it hard to believe they win this game and beat Argentina with everything Messi has going in that game. I find it really hard to believe that they win both of these. So if you're with me where you think Morocco's a live dog to win this game, at plus 430 to finish runner-up is a pretty solid bet. Um, All right, so let's jump into it. 
Our big moneymaker last week, the NFL, really the last few weeks, we have been on an incredible heater, nine and one, or excuse me, nine and two the last two weeks, and overall hitting at 68% this year. It's all documented. Go back and listen to the show. 68% so far this season against the spread. Um, And I think things are going to continue to roll this week. I want to start with our Thursday night game, San Francisco traveling to Seattle. And I think... You know, the Niners are given three and a half over under sitting at 43 and a half. A lot of people are going to really like the the Niners in this spot. The Brock Purdy is looking like he can be legit. You know, Mr. Irrelevant beat Tom Brady in his first career start. um, And he looked really good doing it. He got banged up late in the game. He's questionable to play, but more than likely he's going to suit up. Same thing for McCaffrey. He's a little nicked up questionable to play but he got a limited practice on on thursday he's expected to suit up as well but i actually like the other side of this i like seattle here getting three and a half at home and there's a couple reasons why for one they're the most more desperate team they need this game they're seven and six currently now out of the playoff picture whereas san fran who's won five straight is nine and four essentially has the division almost in hand even if they lose this game they're probably still going to win the division. So so Seattle has a lot more to play for. And another note, you know, a lot has been made about Geno Smith and his, you know, step forward with his career and his resurgence. He's going to win probably comeback player of the year. And it's been really impressive. But the last few weeks, we've seen him, you know, turn the ball over a bit more and play inconsistent at times. And I think that, isn't a coincidence it's coincided with the lack of a running game which we saw the last handful of years when russell wilson was there well kenneth walker was uh participated fully at practice on tuesday he's likely to play and san francisco's interior defensive line is extremely banged up defensive tackles hassan ridgeway and javon kinlaw both on ir Starter with those two out, Kevin Givens, ruled out on Tuesday. Eric Armstead is questionable. They only have one other healthy defensive tackle left on the entire roster. They're probably going to have to sign some guys on the practice squad just to have enough bodies to put on the field. And knowing Walker is back, that should change the way Seattle runs their offense. They still have two legit weapons on the outside. I think we're going to see a very motivated Seahawks team coming off that you know unfortunate loss in one that we talked about last week there was something tricky with that line that's Seattle only giving three and a half to Carolina when a lot of people thought it should have been six or seven and we found out exactly why Um, I think we're going to see a very motivated Seattle team at home in prime time against a Niners offense that you know let's face it without Debo Samuel they're pretty much Kittle, Ayuk, and McCaffrey, that's all they have. The Seahawks secondary has done a great job against opposing number one receivers this year. And so if you can limit what Ayuk does, which even in that great game last week, he had two catches. Um, So it's not like he had some banner game with Brock Purdy under center. So I think there's a little bit of a mirage on how great San Francisco really is offensively. And a lot of that has to do with injury. So give me the home team in primetime getting some points. All right, let's move on to Sunday now. An interconference matchup, the Minnesota Vikings laying four and a half at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Overrunner sitting at 48 and a half, which is noteworthy. 
So Vegas, and I think uh, a lot of betters are probably going to overreact to the, to the Vikings' struggles recently. They've lost two or three. Their defense has been exposed, particularly on the back end. Um, but last week, we predicted the Lions were going to score points. We said there were, that game was going to go over. It did. Um, the Lions, especially at home, indoors, have been money. We're going to get to that uh, in the next game. But Minnesota is still a better team than people want to give them credit for. Uh, they, they have a legit top 10, top 12, maybe top 15 quarterback in the league. They have maybe the best receiver in the league. Dalvin Cook, although the efficiency hasn't been there lately, he's been getting 19 touches per game. Um, and, I, and I do think that Minnesota at home, especially in that 10 o'clock window, and we talked about this particularly with Cousins a couple of weeks ago, his record against teams with winning records is 10 and 41. However, his record against losing teams is the exact opposite. He wins almost 80% of the time against losing teams. And the Colts are clearly a losing football team. Um, and I think that that shine that, you know, when, when they brought in Jeff Saturday and they were playing inspired football, that's gone by the wayside a little bit. Um, I, 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 I do think that 54-19 loss to the Cowboys on Sunday night last week was a bit of a misnomer because it was actually a game going into the fourth quarter. And then just, I think the Colts turned the ball over four times on 11 plays, which it's got, that might be the first time that's happened in NFL history. Um, we're not going to see that, but they are uh, prone to turning the ball over and the Vikings are one of the best in the league at taking the ball away. They're eighth in the league at 20 takeaways. The Colts have the most giveaways with 26. Uh, Minnesota has most of their takeaways have been at home. So I think they're going to look to, to turn the Colts over. Um, so there's plenty of reason here. Uh, that there's tons of value on Minnesota minus four and a half. But really, if I had to take one side somewhere in this game, I think I like the under the most. The Colts defense is legit. Like I talked about that 54 they gave up last week. The Cowboys scored 33 of that in the final 12 minutes of the game, mostly off turnovers, four turnovers on 11 plays, most of which one was returned for a score. And two of the other three were in uh, Colts territory. So they were playing with short fields every time that's, you can throw that out. This Colts defense is legit and the Vikings defense, albeit their secondary is really, really bad, but do the Colts have the offense that can take advantage of that? I mean, they don't have anyone that stretches the field. Uh, they have a couple possession receivers that are decent. Matt Ryan, as much as I love him, went to BC. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for Matt Ryan, but we, we, we've seen the writing on the wall. His arm is practically a noodle at this point. So I don't think they have the offense to be able to take advantage of the weakness of the Vikings secondary. And we know you're not going to run the ball very well against them. Almost no one has all year. And the flip side, the Vikings, you know, we, we've seen it. They're inconsistent offensively and they're somewhat reliant on Jefferson uh, through the air. So I think the Colts can do enough to limit Minnesota's big plays in that game, which means there's not going to be a ton of points. So I really like the under 48 and a half. But if you're with me where I also think Minnesota wins this game and should cover, it's not the worst spot to do a parlay with mini and the under. But if I'm going with one particular bet from this game, I'm leaning under. All right. So I, I referenced 
the Lions and and what they do at home and in domes, and they've been unbelievable, uh, scoring 32 a game at home. But as I talked about last week, you know, Goff now has 33 touchdowns and six interceptions when he's at home since he became a Detroit Lion. Those are incredible numbers. On the road, though, seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. So he's thrown seven touchdown passes on the road since he got to Detroit. And now they're going on the road outdoors in the cold where everyone knows Jared Goff throughout his career has struggled outdoors in the cold against an angry Jets team and defense that is desperate for a win. They've fallen out of the playoffs. You know, they've been holding a playoff spot almost all year. They fall into the eight seed in eight or nine seed in the AFC standings now. And Mike White, it looks like, is going to be healthy enough to play. He has some legit weapons on the outside with Garrett Wilson, and they finally got uh, Elijah Moore involved. He had six catches on 10 targets, I think, last week for 60 yards. Uh, season highs for him. So they're getting him involved. And let's not forget, the Lions, when they're scoring all these points, they're not stopping anyone. Their defense is atrocious. Their secondary in particular is awful. I'm looking for Mike White here. I'm actually playing Mike White in one of my fantasy playoff games. I'm starting him. Now, granted, I lost Kyler Murray to a torn ACL, which put me in a, a tough spot. But that's who I'm streaming because I believe in how bad this Lions defense is, especially on the road. Um, you know, Detroit's giving a point to the Jets here. I like the Jets to win this straight up. I, I could see the Jets winning and pulling away as the game goes on. I think this being in New York outdoors in the cold against a desperate Jets team, everyone's jumping on the Lions bandwagon because they've been scoring so much. And hey, I, I've been the first one to say it for the last six weeks. I've been on them and I've been betting them almost every week, betting their overs almost every week and making money off of them. And I'm telling you, this isn't the week to, to ride with the Lions. I love the Jets in this spot, um, you know, especially being a home dog with, with everything on the line for them. I think there's tons of value on the Jets. All right, let's stay in the AFC East in what is a crucial game for both teams. The Bills are at home giving seven and a half to the Dolphins. Over-under sitting at 42.5, which again is noteworthy, and I'll get in, into why in a moment. So obviously, Buffalo, they pretty much need to win out if they want to hold the one seed. They currently have home field advantage via the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. They beat them earlier this year. But the Chiefs' remaining schedules like Broncos, Raiders, uh, some other, the Texans this weekend, like it's garbage. Um, and so it's there's a really good chance the Chiefs win out, which puts pressure on Buffalo to have to win out if they want to host in the playoffs throughout. Meanwhile, the Dolphins, this is also a massive game for them. You know, they're still a game up on a bunch of teams in the wild card spot. So they're in a relatively comfortable position. But if they lose this, all of a sudden they could find themselves in a dogfight to even make the playoffs. So this is a big game for them. And seven and a half is a big number. But man, they are choosing the wrong time to be banged up going on the road against a team that you know after what happened in week three is really, really bitter. So first, Jeff Wilson Jr. still not practicing. I'm guessing he doesn't play. Now, not that Raheem Mostert can't fill in and do a decent job. He's he's pretty solid. And, you know, they had him as their starter for most of the year until they traded for Wilson. Um, but he's more of a, a top-end speed guy. He can't really make guys miss in the backfield the way Wilson can. So I do think that that's worth noting. Tyreek Hill is questionable. 
um, with his ankle injury that he picked up last week and the loss to the Chargers. But he's he's already practiced on a limited basis. I'm guessing he suits up Saturday night. So that takes care of injuries pertaining to the Dolphins. Um, you know, that their defensive line is still a little nicked up. There's some other things. But I'm going into this assuming they're going to have just about all their guys ready. And I still like the Bills to win and cover. And I'm going to tell you why. For much of the season, the Dolphins and Tua Tagovailoa have looked amazing and unstoppable offensively. There's only been three games this year that they did not move the ball at will. Week three against Buffalo and their last two games when they looked dreadful and lifeless offensively. So the game three against Buffalo, the Bills outgained the Dolphins 500 to 200. Yeah, you heard me right. The Bills had 500 yards of offense. The Dolphins had 200 yards of offense. And the Dolphins won the game 21 to 19. The Bills doubled them up in time of possession, doubled them up in first downs. It was the most lopsided statistical game of the season by anyone in the NFL. And yet the Dolphins won that game. And if you remember, as that game went on, there was a shot on the sideline, on the Bills' sideline, and this is in September in Miami. There was a shot of a th thermometer on the Bills' sideline. It was 130 degrees on the Bills' sideline in the sun, and it was, I think, like 102 on the Dolphins' sideline. And Bills' players were cramping up like crazy. Now, some of the Dolphins' players were. I'll be completely transparent. But it significantly hampered the Bills a lot more. And when you saw when they showed that difference between the two sidelines, and I know that sun has something to do with it. I also think home field and the Dolphins, you know, th there might be something to that. And some other players have talked about that in the past. And now we get to see the reverse of that. This game is going to be in the 20s in Buffalo. And... A lot of has been made about Tua and how great he's been this year after struggling the first couple of years of his career. But throughout his career, anytime he's had to play in the cold, he has struggled. He's 0-4 in his four coldest games. This game is scheduled to be the coldest of his career. They're projecting it to be around 25 degrees at kickoff. And last week, playing in Los Angeles, where it was a cool 57 degrees in Los Angeles last Sunday night, the Dolphins needed heaters on their sideline. Literally, you can look it up. They were using heaters. It was too chilly for them. Now they're going to Buffalo. It's going to be 25 degrees with flurries of snow, possibly, against a team that is bitter based off of that loss and knowing they have to win. And then let's take into account just how much different the Bills offense looks at home than on the road. They've dumped truck. They've dropped 40 plus a number of times this year at home. Um, it's just a bad time for Miami to be not playing well. And last week, I mean, against a subpar Chargers defense, Tua started the game three for 17 completing passes. He completed three of his first 17 passes in that game. The only two touchdowns, the two touchdowns the Dolphins scored came on that fluke fumble ball squirts out of the pile. Tyreek Hill picks it up and runs 60 yards and a defensive back falls down on a play in Tyreek's wide open for a 60 yard touchdown. Those are their only points. The Dolphins didn't run an offensive snap in Chargers territory. I think until midway through the fourth quarter, their offense was dreadful. 
And it was dreadful the week before that against the Niners. And even though the Bills might have lost Vaughn Miller defensively, Greg Rousseau is back this week. And Oliver, it looks like, might be coming back as well. So they're, overall, the defense is still pretty healthy outside of Vaughn Miller. We'll see about Matt Milano. He missed practice so far earlier this week. But even without him, the Bills defense, we, they've shown throughout this year, they're very deep. Um, so I know seven and a half is a big number. But I like the Bills to win and cover that number. The only thing that scares me is maybe if the snow gets really bad, it limits their offense a little bit. Um, But from all reports, there might be some flurries. And if that's the case, with everything I see coming into this game, knowing Tua's struggles in the cold, in the snow, how they're playing right now against a team that has to win, that plays great at home. Yeah. I'm going to lay those points. Bills minus seven and a half all day. It's also not the worst over sitting at 42 and a half. Uh, The Bills should score plenty of points in this game. Like I said, it's with the over on that. It's worth monitoring exactly how bad the weather will be because that could impact the over under more than anything. But if it turns out it's not even going to snow and the wind shouldn't be too strong. Last I saw was eight to 13 miles an hour of wind. Uh, Considering if that's what we're looking at and it doesn't snow very much, there should be ample opportunity to go over 42 and a half. The bills are probably looking like they're in the thirties by themselves. All right. From two playoff teams to two dumpster fires, the Denver Broncos at home laying two and a half to Arizona. Um, I, I think you got to jump on this number while it's at two and a half. It's probably going to move to three in a lot of books coming up as, as the weekend approaches. So I'd suggest jumping on Denver right now, if you can get it at two and a half. So obviously Cliff Kingsbury, everyone knows for years now, going back to his days in college, his teams typically sputter and get worse as the season goes along. And what do you know? We're, we're seeing that once again. And now they lost Kyler Murray for the season. That's a massive deflator. They've already lost a number of key players. And Zach Ertz got put on IR a couple of weeks ago. Colt McCoy's in at quarterback. And I mean, we saw on Monday night how lifeless their offense was against the, the Patriots defense. And the Patriots have a top five, top 10 defense. So do the Broncos. Broncos are what fourth in the NFL, I think, giving up 17 points a game. Um, meanwhile, Arizona is giving up 27 a game. The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause is the status of Russell Wilson. He got concussed last week against the chiefs. Uh, so that, you know, we have, he's still in concussion protocol as of Wednesday morning. We don't know exactly what the situation is and, and where he is progressed to at this point. If he doesn't play, it's a little tricky. Um, you know, Denver's susceptible to the run somewhat in Arizona, behind James Conner is leaning on the ground game, especially we saw it again on, on Monday night against the Patriots. So if Russ doesn't play, maybe it gives me a little bit of pause. So it's worth noting um, to see, you know, how he progresses through that protocol, but the overrunner sitting at 36 and a half. I mean, it's rare that I find a game with a number this low that I like an under, or I'm willing to put some money on it, but this, this one certainly fits the bill. I don't know how either of these teams, you know, the Broncos, they struggle to score 17. They're averaging 14 points a game dead last in the league. And Arizona was averaging like 22 a game when they had Kyler Murray without Kyler Murray, their offense is going to be a shell of itself. 
um, against a very good defense in mile high in 30. I believe it's supposed to be 31 degrees there clear with some wind. Um, so 36 and a half, albeit it's a small number, but I'm taking the under here. I just don't see either of these teams putting the ball in the end zone very often. I think the kickers are going to be quite active. We'll see five, six, seven field goal attempts in this game, but I don't think there's more than one or two touchdowns in this game. Give me the under 36 and a half. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to move to my favorite portion of the show, Kendall's corner, which hopefully you guys have been riding with me on Kendall's corner the last month or so, because I just, I can't lose. It's been an unbelievable run. So, and really to be honest, it goes back to the beginning of the NFL season overall on our parlays, we are eight and three this year. And on our teasers, I believe we're five and five on the teasers. Um, overall, we're up really, really big. And once again, coming into this week, I really like the picks that I have for you guys. So I like to start with my teasers. And there's a few games where I think if we influence the lines right, it makes a lot of sense and should be easy money, just like last week. Uh, the first one, the Bills. I talked about it already. They're laying seven and a half. Tease that to one and a half. I think they cover the seven and a half, um, but I'm almost certain that they're going to cover one and a half. I don't give Miami a shot to win that game. I'm sorry. There's too many reasons for me to believe that the Bills are absolutely going to win that game. And if that happens, it's more than likely going to be by more than one and a half points. So I think that one makes a lot of sense to tease down. And then the Jets, I talked about the Jets lines. The Jets are getting a point. I think they're a live dog. I think they win the game outright. Um, that defense, like I talked about, especially at home, Jerry Goff outside in the cold. You know, the Lions are a decent football team. They're playing hard for Dan Campbell. They could win that game. They're not going to win it by more than a touchdown. Not with that defense. They haven't beaten anybody more by more than a touchdown, um, despite their playing so well. When the defense is that bad, it, it's hard to blow anybody out. Uh, so you can tease the Jets to plus seven. I think the Jets went outright. So if you can give me a touchdown, it sounds like a great, great bet to me. Also, on Monday night, the Packers are at home coming off a bye against the Rams. The number six and a half, you tease that down to a half a point. So the Packers just have to win the game. Um, so you take the spread out of it. It's basically a pick em, which anytime you see a line at six and a half, that's a great opportunity to tease because you are eliminating the spread entirely. It's basically a money line bet. And... I am not going to lose my mind over Baker Mayfield and what he did in that two minute drive that went 98 yards. Yeah. 98 yards with two 15 yard personal foul penalties on the Raiders. It's like some of the coaching, it was, it had as much to do with the Raiders ineptitude coaching and defensive ability as it did anything with the Rams and Baker Mayfield. The Rams had three points through three and a half quarters of, of that game against a terrible Raiders defense at home. Like, I'm sorry, that, that was lightning in a bottle. It's not happening. Maybe they cover that six and a half line. I don't feel comfortable betting that line, but I can, if I can tease that down to the Packers just have to win, they're still alive in the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers has gotten Christian Watson involved. And he's becoming a game breaker offensively. Aaron Donald still might not play. There's the Packers are winning that game. So that's the third one you tease. And then the last one, we're going to tease the Titans chargers over under it's sitting at 47 and a half, tease it down to 41 and a half and take the over. And it's quite obvious why, right? The Titans defense, their rush defense is legit. 
almost no one has run the ball well on them all year. But conversely, their secondary is atrocious. It's bottom three in the NFL. We saw Trevor Lawrence throw for 350 and three scores and dump truck them last week in Tennessee. Um, and the Chargers don't run the football. They don't even try to run the football. We've seen it over and over. Their best player, Austin Eckler, or one of their best players, Austin Eckler, he's he doesn't have a whole lot of rushing guards this year. He catches 10 passes a game. He's he's probably going to break the NFL record for most receptions by a running back in the NFL in history. Um, he's a receiver that just happens to line up in the backfield. And Keenan Alley is healthy. And have, have you seen what he's done since he got healthy in week 11? Putting up huge numbers again. And then we finally got a glimpse of Mike Williams when he's healthy again. So there's no reason to think that the Chargers at home aren't going to score plenty of points in that game. Conversely, they, they won't be on the field a ton. They'll score when they have it, but they're not going to be on the field a ton because their rush defense is historically bad like it is every year. An incumbent angry Titans team that's reliant on running the football. I think Derrick Henry should have a very big game and get back on track uh, for Tennessee's offense. They're going to get in the end zone two or three times in this game. They're going to be in the 20s. The Chargers are probably in the 30s. I think the Chargers probably win this game, but maybe the Titans. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Titans won this game. Uh, every time you think the Chargers are going to zig, they zag. It's happened multiple times over the last handful of years. So I, I wouldn't bet the Chargers against the spread or anything, but teasing this down to 41 and a half seems like easy money to me. Uh, so you tease the Bills, like I said, down to one and a half against the Dolphins, the Jets to plus seven, the Packers to basically a pick them, and then the over on the Titans Chargers. And you're going to get plus 240 for that tease. That's pretty good money because I mean, I dare you to tell me which of those four aren't going to hit. We've been hitting them almost every week. We're going to hit it again. And finally, our parlay of the week. I'm going to hammer it. I hammer it home every week. Anyone who's placing parlays with, with spreads, you're giving money away. Yeah, I know it, the odds look great and every once in a while you hit, but I guarantee you over the long run, you're going to lose. Vegas, they're building new casinos off people playing parlays all day. But if you parlay money lines in the NFL, there is so much opportunity. We are eight and three doing that this year. We've hit the last two and we're looking to do it again this week. I talked about the bills already. I think you put them with the Chiefs, the Eagles playing the Bears, and the Packers. So the Bills against the Dolphins, we, we've spent at nauseum talking about why the Bills are going to win that game. The Chiefs play the Texans, and you know the Texans secondary is pretty legit. No one talks about it. It's a 14-point dog. I, I think there's a decent chance the Texans cover that spread. The Chiefs normally don't cover spreads, but the Chiefs are going to win the game. I know that. Maybe they don't cover, but I know they're going to win the game. Eagles-Bears. Eagles are given nine. That's a big number. You know, Chicago especially with Justin Fields, can make plays with his legs. Maybe the Bears cover the nine, but the Eagles are probably going to win the game. So you take the Eagles, and like I said, the, the Packers-Rams, especially with the Packers coming off the bye with their season on the line against a, a Rams team that basically had a miracle happen on Monday night or Sunday night, whatever it was, or Thursday night. So you you put those four together, money line parlay, plus 140. So you're getting better than even money, and... Again, tell me which of those four teams aren't going to win on Sunday, uh, and I'll call you a liar. So so that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, good luck, everyone. Let's keep making money together. I have been on an unbelievable heater. I hope you guys join me, and uh, I will see you here next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.